0: Some of you may have uh, read an email that was sent out uh, from uh, Ken Gudger, our uh, staff parish relations committee chairperson, and uh, it said that uh, this spring I'll be resigning from my position. Um, this has been a decision that I've held and struggled with for for some time now, and. Uh, Many of you have have seen me uh, walk through a difficult season. Um, The uh, um, hopes that I had when I got a call about moving to Ashland, Oregon in April of 2015 um, changed somewhat. I went through a divorce and uh, had to learn how to stand up again in a new and challenging environment. And I know that many of you have been there yourselves. And so I don't need to ask you to imagine uh, some of the chaos that I've felt in my own life and uh, some of the struggles I've gone through. I feel um, excited about the future. But that doesn't make this any less difficult. Uh, My last Sunday with you will be at the end of February. That's uh, February 26th. My last uh, service with you will, in fact, be Ash Wednesday. That's March 1st. Uh, And then the the next Sunday will be the first Sunday of Lent. Um, I uh, know that the next few weeks are going to be interesting for you and for me, um, <clears throat> myself and Dorita and Ken Gudger, Ken, could you raise your hand real quick so people can just see you, yeah. um, we'll uh, certainly work to make ourselves available to you. I'm sure that many of you will have questions and concerns, um, and we'd like to work to make sure that all of those are, are uh, heard. Uh, we may not be able to answer all of them, uh, but we'll make sure they're heard nonetheless. Um, and you'll certainly be hearing from Ken uh, in the coming weeks and months. Um, but I'm, I'm here for the next seven weeks. Uh, in thinking about what I wanted to do this morning, <clears throat> it was a struggle. Um, it didn't seem appropriate to be like, well, in the book of Ezekiel, w- there's this Hebrew word, So I decided to write you a letter. I think it might have accidentally become an epistle, uh, but that is an incredibly self-righteous thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) There is a difference though between uh, a simple correspondence and an epistle. Uh, Anyone who sits down to read the epistles uh, in the New Testament will be left with the impression that the author wasn't just calling to say hi or something that, really needed, <clears throat> something that really needed to be said and communicated. And so, uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read my letter to you, and uh, I'm actually going to read it from, from that pulpit, um, if you can handle me stepping a few steps back from you. I know it's not my typical M.O., but... For nearly two years, I've stood up here every Sunday, and I've invited you to join me in a moment of centering, often reciting my familiar litany, if you are at all like me, perhaps you are in need of some centering this morning. So if you are at all like me, perhaps you are in need of some centering this morning. This significant experience of centering is really disguised in its simplicity. What appears to be a quick, simple moment to just catch your breath is in fact a deeply subversive invitation to reclaim this day. This day. To become aware to pay attention and to be present right now. Being present is not an easy task, and often we would rather be anywhere else than this present moment. Busyness and to-do lists and a number of well-worn and trusted vices seek to keep us from engaging with what is at hand. Our fast-paced world has trained us to accept the quick profit and instant gratification over any form of waiting or unknowing. Therefore, it should be no surprise that when we enter into moments of discomfort and pain, many of us are unfamiliar with that landscape. We don't quite know what to do In a world where it is easier to tune out than to tune in, most of us struggle with how to respond to grief. When fear sets in, how do I not turn and run? When the weight is too heavy to bear, how do I keep moving forward? When I moved to Ashland in July of 2015, it was under a very different reality than the one I now embody. As many of you know, after only a few weeks, my then wife asked for a divorce and soon moved out. I was left in a new life that I had not chosen. This began a chain reaction that would affect every corner of my life some for the worse and some for the better. Over the last year and a half, I have had to learn how to grieve privately and publicly. I've had to learn how to embrace and even invite some of my most painful and unwelcomed emotions. And most importantly, I have had to learn the difficult task of how to dream again it's not easy to let go of dreams. Whether it is the dream that you hold for a relationship, a job, or your very life, we dream because we have high hopes for what the future may hold. Even in the most difficult of days, we want to believe that really anything is still possible. But there's a catch. In order to make progress, that is, to move forward, you must pass through stages of instability. Let me say that again. In order to progress, in order to move forward, you must pass through stages of instability. Stages or seasons where you don't actually know how things are going to turn out. Think of having a child. You must go through a great season of unknowing. A nine month stage of instability. Nine months plus a few years, some might agree. (laughs) Think of planting a seed. In order for anything to grow, you have to take this little capsule of potential and bury it. In order for it to grow, you have to let it go. In in order for it to grow, you have to let it go. In Christian theology, there is this simple and yet radical concept called the Pascal mystery. It's the phrase used to describe the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And although the concept is difficult for most of us to understand, a God who dies, it is the central idea the central mystery at the heart of the Christian faith. That in order to have resurrection, you must have death. Just think about that for more than a second. That in order to have resurrection, you must experience death. Whether it is your life that needs some resurrection, a relationship, or your broken and fractured heart. If you want to have any chance of living again, you have to let some things die. Simply put, you must let go to move forward. You must let go to move forward. For some people, that means letting go of an entire relationship, But for others, it might be letting go of some hopes and dreams for what a relationship or a job or a season of life might be like. You see, I've come to believe that the strongest people are those who know how to let one hope die so that another can be born again. Not an easy task. To be able to let something go is only something that you can do through love. Love. To be able to let something go is only something that you can do through love. In hate and anger and frustration, you can only keep pain alive. But to let something go, to let it die, whether it is a wound, a memory, or an entire chapter of your life, to make that happen, you must act in love. This is what I believe about God. This is how I believe God acts and operates in the world. And it's what I believe about you and about me. That each of us are called daily to act in love, to live wholehearted lives where we are not afraid of letting one thing go so that something new can be made possible. I'm reminded that vulnerability is not the risk of failure. Vulnerability is failing, and yet deciding to get up anyway. It is letting go and still moving forward. And so as I prepare to head into a new chapter of my own life, I want to call and invite each of you into a moment of centering. Centering around where you are at right right now. I wonder, what are you holding on to that needs to be let go? What pain or wound do you still carry that you must find a way to love? And what new hope or dream could await you if only you were able to let go of how things should have been and instead embrace the possibility of all that can still be. My dear brothers and sisters, I wanna thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you as a pastor. I wanna thank you for the kindness and the love that you've shown me. And thank you for providing a place for me in this season. I have certainly felt at home here, and for me, that says a lot. Uh, words can't quite express what it has meant for me to feel surrounded by this family. And for that, please know i'm I'm deeply grateful but We still have seven weeks. And you better know that I'm going to bring it. Uh, That's a lot of time for some Greek and Hebrew. So do me a favor and show up. Let's get talking. I'm confident that there is an immense possibility of good times ahead for me and and most certainly for you as well.